digital movie heist where like you have to steal the guy's keyboard off his desk so that you can go, you know, rob the Swiss bank. And welcome back to another episode of The Refractor, the show where two old seasoned salt of technical engineers talk about all the things that try and help themselves and you suck a little less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And not being old, my name is Chris Tonkinson. Yeah, okay. And this is episode 050. Yes. I'm calling this an anniversary. This to me, this is the birthday. Uh, we're this right is the birthday, there. and I. On, so de- we gotta we gotta December, figure out what's going on, on here on, because you're not doing. Hold on. I missed the date, December fourteenth, twenty twenty one. Okay, go. What am I not doing? <laughs> well, you're not you're not stealing all because all the even episodes are the are the birthday, the anniversary episodes, and you're you traditionally intro the evens. So that's true. Not stand. You're, I will not well, be. I'm not I mean, be robbed the opportunity of of introing the birthdays forever. I, I, okay, well, I, I tell you what, it, it, that is a that is a duty that we can share. We could even, uh, if you want to, on an annual basis, we could swap the the odd even thing. We could do that, or on birthday Ooh, ones, you we could, could we could do that, or just on birthdays, just because the odd even thing does. I mean. If we break it up, it's, you know, it's a habit that you have to break. It's like remembering, you know, when you write that first check after the first of the year and you start writing it and and then you automatically, you write the last year and you automatically get the date wrong. And then you got to rip that (laughs) damn check up and you got to write a new, yeah, it's it's like The banking industry is built on this. They know, they know you're going to buy at least one extra check per year. It's a scam. It's a big, it's big (laughs) finance coming after your money, your hard earned clams. Possibly, possibly. So- or we just, or every, or every 50 episodes, we just botch the intro like we did today and it. bobbed your uncle. Like I don't we, know, solved, that was, we solved I, the problem. I mean, it, on the one year anniversary of the first episode, that was, I mean, oh my goodness, that intro was absolute <laughs> butchery. I, I wish I had, I don't have We've it come a little up. ways. I, I, I don't have it queued up. That'd be kind We've of come a little ways. Too. A little bit, a little bit. But yeah, we're at about a year. I know it's only episode 50 as opposed to 52 because there's 52 weeks in a year, you know, but- we started around no, but this it's time. It's yeah. it's on the fifties. Yeah, it's on the fifties. I think that's we, so. We started say. around this time uh, last year, and um, you know, started queuing up episodes and figuring things out. And yeah, it has definitely. It's amazing what just simply committing to doing it for a year will do. Because yeah, yeah. it's it's a fairly well greased machine. There's still some kinks we can work out um, in terms of yeah, like uh, you. The technology. Myself, you. My notably Frank, my baby co-host. We haven't cranked that nut yet. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, fifty. Congratulations, welcome to the yeah. Uh, welcome, congratulations bro. to you. This is it is stuff. it is something when you really when you have it's a demonstration of what happens when you've got an accountability partner. Because I promise you, mm. I have uh, endeavored into things in the last couple of years myself, and. They're, None of them have actually gone anywhere. Of course, they have completely failed. Because you, because I'm, because it's me. I mean, really, I am, I am the rock. You're the missing variable yeah, there, right? Yeah, I, that's that's the conclusion I was drawing. That's that's it. That's the I one. am the rock. <laughs> <laughs> the light, your god. Yes, yeah. That's that's the correct conclusion that myself I mean, and that's listeners should really, draw. The, I mean, that's really from the this only, interaction. That, I mean, Occam's cool. razor, man. I can't argue with that. 
just there I mean, it is. every time I walk in the room. That's that's what happens. And that's what and that's this is the kind of this is this is what people pay to listen to. <laughs> really. <laughs> so I get to call I get to call you out. I can't okay. be 100 percent smarmy, but I can All be right. like. 60 I'm going to go 65% smart. That's still a majority can, smarmy that you could round it up. It is a majority. It is it is a simple majority smarm and you can back me <laughs> off of this a little bit if you if you try hard enough. Um but uh SAE which is the the Society of Automotive Engineers it's like a professional organization um they do standards for um automotive engineering yeah we have talked about this organization in some other uh job opportunity capacities in the past so yes so sae last week i think a couple of days after recording last week sae announced that mercedes-benz uh is actually the first uh first automaker in the united states to be approved for level three autonomous driving which means in certain circumstances, the vehicle will be able to operate itself with passengers fully unattended and unlike the current systems, um, allows you to take your eyes off the road. So you really can derp out. And I think the restriction is wow. um, there are certain roads where this is uh, allowed and under a certain speed limit. Uh, ours ran the article. I'll link that in the show notes. Um but I think it's anything under 37 miles an hour on on what they call geofenced routes, mm-hmm. uh, which I think basically means uh, like larger, not necessarily highways, but well you know, not, documented, not well roads. defined exactly. roads. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, so it's just uh, it's just an example of where the autonomous driving. I think you know, as I argued a couple of weeks ago, it can and will creep in opportunistically um, towards the goal. Maybe not everything always automated, mm-hmm. but we will asymptotically approach that. You will add, okay, so you're going to add some stuff. I, I get it. I, I, it's still, you are, you, that's fine. You can, you can take your victory lap on that. I suppose. I still think it, it oh, I see what you did there. Cause it's a car and like a lap. I see, you see what you, that mm-hmm, was clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, that's, <laughs> a, that's a, that's what I bring to the table. You know, is that thinking man's commentary. <laughs> right. So yeah. the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the cheap humor and a godlike swelled ego. Yeah. That's, that's fitting. <laughs> And this godlike voice. I mean, listen to this. NPR. So sultry. (laughs) So make sweet love to your voice. Oh, that's just gross. Please never say that again. (laughs) We need. Okay. You know what we need? You know what you need on your soundboard is Brody saying you had to make it weird. That's what you need. All right. All right. I'll add it. You need to add that to your list. You had to make it weird. All right. I'll add it. (laughs) All right. Um, that's okay. So yes, progress, of course, great, but it still fits exactly in the model that I described before. It's going to be, like you said, geofence roads, well-defined. It's probably going to be out West. It's going to be, you know, road only highly defined, well-developed roads. I'm sure that that system will completely break down in and around construction. And obviously it's not going to happen anywhere that there's snow. So I still think that, you know, we are a, I still think, we're a long ways, if ever, off from from the you know the dream of all roads, all vehicles being all time. Well, yeah, but you're but, eighty but to nine percent of being, the time. I, I just don't think no, it's gonna I, happen. There's no, there's no I, nobody. No, okay, nobody sensible is arguing that like next year every vehicle will be autonomous one hundred percent of the time. That's, no, not that's next not year. What the argument is. I'm, say, I'm saying I'm saying ever. I'm talking ever. Okay, nobody is arguing that ever all vehicles will always be autonomous 100% majority of the time. Majority of the time. I'll give you majority of the time. 
you know? Right. That's that's my only. Are you you knocking over bookshelves? Yeah, down there? I, what I'm do dropping you, stuff. What do you got? It, yeah, you got on. you got a you got a tower of CDs oh you want to knock over just, during the show? Yeah, over I there. I have I have you got a bunch. I have you got a dryer. Some, you got some china on a shelf you can bang off the wall. <laughs> I have or a dryer somewhere that I can turn on and you know put that sound <laughs> in the background. No, no, but I think I think Asim t- like the the my argument is that within you know certainly within our lifetimes you will see us asymptotically approach general availability, which, mm-hmm. which I would define to just to be specific about terms. Um, and I'll mark this as a prediction. That's fine. I'm, I'm okay. Standing by it. The majority meaning like I would say, I would say super majority of, um, how do they, how do they define it? Of, of, um, super majority of, of miles driven, Mm. will be autonomous say 20 years super majority okay this is all right super so, majority so, of so miles I driven 68 i get it 68 percent of mm-hmm. of miles driven or mm-hmm. or of hours driven i think you could do it either way to be honest yeah, with you, yeah, but you i'll, I'll go with way. miles yeah 60 68 or greater percent of miles driven within 20 years will be automated and you're absolutely right there are back roads back snow covered roads where i just I think you're right. I don't see it happen. I don't you're see You're never going to not have like, a driver. Unless, you're just, well, I mean, right. I, I think there are places where the cars just can't go. And that's where I think Demolition Man comes in, where it, uh, you know, the steering wheel pops out of the dashboard and all of a sudden you've got to take over. Um, but I think a majority of miles driven, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'd be all right. And, and Ben's here is, and which is, which is kind of a, uh, kind of an upset in my mind because you'd figure it would be like Waymo or Tesla would get there first. Here, Benz comes out of the blue and and swipes the title. Now, I think the SE defines like five levels of autonomous driving, and this is just mm-hmm. the first to achieve level three. So, I'm sure others will come, and you know, progress will march on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, an, I mean, since we a, since a, we talked about it just a couple of weeks ago, I thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Then, to your point, to your point though, it's only in certain roads and only Below under certain, certain speed. speeds. Like it is a very controlled yep. set of circumstances under which this and is feasible, still- which fits absolutely your point, because I think your point never goes away. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where these vehicles end up geographically. Like, do you see this self-driving stuff anywhere outside of, you know, Silicon Valley and, you know, the ideal weather, yeah. that ideal I, weather I don't think uh, your, area. your, your commentary about like, oh, it's only in the Southwest that to me, that's bunk. That's, that's, that's overextending the hypothesis that they can't drive in snow. I'm a, I'm in agreement on this. I think, mm-hmm. I think any, any meaningful amount of snow, these things shut down and you got to drive. And that that drive, makes sense yeah. to me intuitively, mm-hmm. you know, again, and we both said last time, absent some crazy technological advancement that we can't imagine, of course. Um, but, you know, the Northeast, where where you and I live, the Northeast is not snowy nine months out of the year. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I assume, I assume I'm going to see one of these Benz, I may not know it at the time, but I assume I'm going to see a, a tier three capable Benz pass me on the highway at some point here next year. Mm. Okay. Cool. Now, in terms of, to your point, though, in terms of where those aggregate miles are driven, because the, the because the Midwest and the Northeast are not going to be able to use these systems during the snowy season, which is a quarter to half of the year, depending on where you live, yeah, those miles will probably be concentrated, I would imagine, south and west coast. That does make sense. Yeah. Well, we'll see but what happens. Congratulations, see to, congratulations to the Benz. 
for doing that. The and yes, the, Mar- I, the Mercedes. I would not have expected. Yeah, that that sort of came out of uh, that sort of came out of nowhere. But don't. I mean, that's usually how this stuff goes too. The ones that are making the most noise generally are not the. You know, it's it's, those, it's the it's the quiet ones you got to watch, yeah. as they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was the thing that shocked me a bit. Like this is just a natural progression, but the fact that it was Benz and and not Tesla, Waymo, that, that's mm-hmm. that's big to me at least. For I sure. I don't know who they're part. I don't know who, if anybody, they're partnering with on this. But oh, so the article didn't say if they had if they had a, a partner. I, on I don't. I don't remember. Mm. I don't. I don't remember. You know, okay. like if they've got a partnership with some with some Valley firm, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, well, we would be remiss if we didn't also in the news, we should probably not skip over the, you know, the elephant and the log for <laughs> log <Jay>. for shell. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. <laughs> this one is huge. Uh, I mean, the it's first a question, so have thanks you, Minecraft. Yeah. Have you, <laughs> is it actually, was it their fault? Was it, was it, uh, w- no, not their it, fault, but I, my understanding and I'm not, I'm not an expert Minecraft on this, is Java based. It is job. My understanding is that it was discovered due to hacked Minecraft servers. Oh, okay. Whatever I that mean, means. And again, I, I didn't look that deeply into it. All I know is we we do have, I don't know about you, but I, I have uh I have at least one product under under my purview which which uses log4j and, and had a vulnerable version. So we you know, we patched that lickety split. Um Mm-hmm. Which actually brings up something I wanted to talk to you about. But, okay, so have um, yeah, you, so pretty big. Have deal. you looked into the? Have you looked into the actual vulnerability? I've only been watching the 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 splash damage. I have not done the deep dive into the technicalities of it. I only know that it's a logging add-on that uh, library. It's not really an add-on in that in that space. Uh, that the vast majority of Java uh, Java programs use, Java apps use, and it has a vulnerability that basically gives you shell if you're. You know, if you do it yeah. appropriately. So, lo- and Log4J, it's it's big enough in the Java world and it's old enough that there are like Log4Net and Log4, like other ecosystems have a similar, at least a library with a similar interface is what mm-hmm. I mean to say. It's not the same code. Uh, yeah, Log4J, very, very pervasive Java logging library. Um, and I guess if you're able to, con- as an attacker, if you are able to control... Um, log emissions that is say if you're able to get your input into a log stream that goes out somewhere you can put in a special reference to an ldap uri under your control and somehow or another i guess the server goes out and grabs that resource and you can get remote arbitrary remote code exec so yeah so you you slipstream an ldap address into a log and then you get shell how I mean, like, like the, to me, this is. I just, don't know, like, I don't know what Log4j is doing internally that it needs the, a, that level why, of access. That's like the thing. why I don't know anything. Uh, to your question, I don't know. I don't know okay. why Log4j would be resolving third party. Uh, why why it would be resolving remote addresses in the first place, and I don't know what it's doing that causes it then to execute those. It it may be a chain where it'll grab the resource but then it might be paired with um, some kind of other vulnerability that yields uh, to the RC. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking out of my bum right now because I really I haven't looked into it. Um, I just well, know that almost every uh, sysop, sysadmin, uh, IT dev lead, 
everywhere had their weekend ruined. That's all. <laughs> That's all I know. Their weekend and most of their week. Yeah. 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 Especially if it, especially if it was a more pain. I mean, we were, which is kind of what I wanted to, it's, it's a good segue into, um, I run into this all the time trying to convince, cause I, I, I mean, you know that I, I oversee a couple of SaaS product teams in my day to day, but mm-hmm. I also serve as an internal consultant to all of the others in the enterprise. And one of the things that I, that I try to help the team improve our posture on is routine maintenance, right? Why do we, and, and, and having the conversation, I know in a consultant role, you probably fight this all the time. Why, you know, trying to convince somebody that it's a good idea to keep their dependencies up to date. And I'm talking, you know, frameworks, libraries, you know, whatever. It's an easy conversation to convince them it's a good idea. It's entirely something different to get them to do it, to get them to actually spend time proactively patching dependencies can be tough in certain circumstances. And one of the biggest arguments that I make in that is, look, uh, and, you know, I, I, I operate in a regulated industry, so security is very, very important to us. Um, look, when a vulnerability comes along and the only way to fix it is to patch the library and you're on an old enough version of the library that upgrading it is going to cause pain, you put yourself at high risk when something like log for shell comes out, this CVE 2021-44-228, I think was the number uh, off wow, the top of my head. I actually know the name um, off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, CVE 44-228, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, oh, you're such a badass. Look at you. <laughs> I, 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 look, I have to get involved in like four of these a year, so I, I tend, uh, it's not hard to... I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Point being, like the the product that I have that that used this library, it was easy. Patch version is two dot fifteen. It's not vulnerable. What we had was two dot thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. Right, we were reasonably up to date because we make that a priority. We keep it up to date, and so upgrade was just modifying the you know the the pom dot xml and redeploying. It was not a big deal because mm-hmm. that's a minor version change. You know. Um, but I can imagine a lot of teams out there, they have a version that's old enough that's going to require like application changes to upgrade uh, or still running an unsupported version, which isn't going to get a patch. Or if it will, it'll lag and, you know, there's other issues with that. Um, but this is this is the case study. This is the reason, if nothing else, to keep your depths up to date because you don't want to be in a situation where you're, okay, great. It was found in the wild, proof of concept, you know, uh, maturity exploit level is proof of concept, but it was found in the wild, and now everybody's scrambling to patch. And in addition to that, you have to do real engineering against your application to get it compatible with the patch version of the library. That's a mm-hmm. that's a really sucky place to be in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you should keep up. I mean, this is this just every time one of these happens, it should hammer home the essential uh, necessity of Keep your crap up to date. It, it is not a thing that is back burner. It's not a thing that is belongs in your, your, your backlog. It, it should just be part of the routine. It, it should be part of your cycle. It's not something you should squeeze in. You should have space actually carved out yeah. for it pre, you know, preemptively. Okay. In this, you know, in the second, in, in the last sprint, 
every quarter, primary is any vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, or out of date updates. Well, so Period. those are yeah, just those make are that different a rule things. If every you, time. If you have a known vulnerability in my world, you have a known vulnerability that gets priority over whatever well, else that's, is going on. Yeah, kind of, I, right. But wrong. The wrong reason terms. you keep up to date. The reason you keep up to date in between vulnerabilities is so that when one is partially so that when one does come along, that upgrade is is easy. I think we're we're saying the same. We're just coming at it from two different. Well, ways. no, I actually I use it, the word vulnerability. I should have used just you know. Let my point was you know, uh, incorporating upgrades as part of your routine yeah. cadence, and so I was suggesting. I actually proposed sprint. I'd just, actually propose this at one point, like, hey, we should think about some kind of like a TikTok cycle where, um, you know, maybe it's not one sprint on feature dev and one sprint on maintenance. That's that's a little heavy handed, but every N feature sprints, we work in a maintenance sprint where we just upgrade depths and, you know, shore things up, add, you know, documentation and stuff. But you, you do need to allocate time for it or it just doesn't get done in the mm-hmm. real world. You know, it, it yeah. just doesn't get done. Well, that um, that's not the problem. I think most teams, most engineers understand and would, would oh, the do the engineers it. do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The problem <laughs> is that you have upper level decision makers that are not, you know, they say, oh, that's yeah. not important. There's, you know, what's the risk? Eh, okay. And and so they push it off in favor of features. It's always features. Um, yeah. And that is, that is not. It's not how you Prime do Prime example of, not how you I, do I heard a great analogy. This is the first time I've heard this analogy, getting getting out uh, getting out ahead of your skis or something like this. Have you heard this analogy before? Uh, out over your skis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I actually I, just <laughs> used that today. I was oh, did just, you really? I, yes, no lie. I just said that in another right. conversation uh, I just heard that for the first time somebody. last week. And, um, and I think it's appropriate, right? If you just let your dependencies age and you don't spend any time on maintenance, like that's the business getting out over its skis in, in my mind. Uh, with, I'm just yeah, it's out over its skis in terms. Of, yeah, you're, turn a phrase. You are out over your skis with your with your features. You are you are leaning way yeah. too far out there, and you're going to spill. You're going to crash. Yeah. Um, that a, a lot of, and I think a lot of companies are are guilty of this. Um, it's it's a you know features go in the hopper just like everything else. The the notion that mm-hmm. any one of those things has more or less value than the others is a fool's errand. Don't let mm. any sales marketing or business or product person tell you otherwise. It's all important. You got to think about it like driving a car. Yeah, I'd like some new cup holders. You know what else I want? The car to freaking run. I want it to stay on the road. <laughs> Brakes. Brakes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Cup Ooh, new cup holder. Ooh, wider, wider uh, LCD screen on the front. Yeah, but you know what else is good? An engine and brakes <laughs> and a transmission. Like you got to okay, do so the speaking important of stuff. That, speaking of that, I was looking at the specs for like one of the newer, like uh, I think it was the Escalade. Um, not that looking, I'm in the market. I was going to say, are you yeah, in the market? I am. I'm, well, I'm looking for another one, right? I have, <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a blue one. I'd really like a gray one too. You your, know, uh, your, your stonks, are your stonks doing well there? Your, your diamond Yes. Diamonds? Yeah. I've made my, and my Bitcoin and uh, my- GameStop. Else, my Beanie Babies. GameStop My Beanie millions. Babies. It's all just- <laughs> so stonks, I, ultimately, I'd like. Hands. Ultimately, I want an Escalade for every day of the week. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, so different color. Yeah. You don't want to buy them all at once, though, right? Because then no, you drive that, the price up the local market. That would just market. be ostentatious. That would just that's be ostentatious. That's idiocy. You know, you do the, you do a thing like this over time. Anyway, <laughs> it, they were boasting that oh, this has like a f- 
you know, 67-inch panoramic screen on the dash, I thought, ew. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. I, that sounds... That sounds too much to manage. I I don't know. I call me old man yells at cloud, but I miss I miss being able to develop the muscle memory to push a radio button or turn a, a vent knob without mm-hmm. taking my eyes off the road. Well, there's I think you, the touch things. You just also the the speedometer. It, how fast the needle moves is visual information for your periphery, and you mm-hmm. don't get that with a digital readout. Like all of these things, I just I don't know. I'm, I know I'm out of well, the times. I mean. I, okay, so I have a um, so Not that my, there isn't benefit, but no, yeah, my car has an has an all digital display, and it has a HUD. So I actually have, which is oh awesome. really? Oh, the HUD! Oh my God, you need a HUD! It is the best thing ever. Um, it's it's simple. In this case, so, I, so this guy, all right, so this guy already escalates. Okay, well, it's it's not an escalate. <laughs> I, I drive a um, what do I have? A, a, a Hyundai Palisade. It's their, it's mm-hmm. their SUV. It's equivalent to, in size, it's equivalent to a Ford Explorer. Um, and uh, I got the, I got the upgrades because I'm a gearhead. And of course I did. Um, and so it has this, it has an all digital display, but the, dis- so the speedometers aren't physical speedometers, but they are, it, it actually has a dial and they do go okay. up and down and it is in real time. And it's, you that technology has come a long way. Ten years ago, that would have been janky as hell. Today, oh, yeah. it, it actually it works. You you can actually. I mean, they had that in they had that in the middle eighties. You had, yeah, you garbage. did. You had it in the eighties, but mostly in the eighties, you had just the <clears throat> the 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 actual LCD readout. Yeah, and it's just yeah. the numbers like a like a digital clock next to your bed. Yeah. Sa- same technology. Um, so it's come a long way. On the HUD, it's numbers. And How do you know what kind of clock I have next to my bed? For all I know, for all you know, I sleep next to a grandfather clock. Yeah, you had to make it weird. You had to go there. <laughs> we really need that you sounder. Gotta, I'm just, I got to get that I'm sounder. trying to hammer it home that you need mm-hmm. to get that sound clip. Yeah. Generally speaking, and I'm just going to lay this out as a ground rule. If you bring in any clips from the MCU, you're going to get my unabashed support. <laughs> I mean, yes, generally, yeah. <laughs> yep. No, no argument here. So, uh... So it has a it has a large it has a large digital panel uh, off to the side that has all the central controls for the radio mm-hmm. and it's got a GPS and it's got all that crap and um, you can push a lot of things on that screen and I agree without having the physical button I always have to look at it to make mm-hmm. sure I'm hitting the right button which is actually I would argue it's 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 a safety issue. I don't actually like that either. So I, I tend to agree. Yeah. Um, it does have a line of physical buttons underneath of it. Uh, I feel like they need to do a better job. What I would like to see is something where the screen is surrounded with buttons at, say, each of the corners and then in the middle. So you'd have, say, mm-hmm. six physical buttons. And then the physical buttons would consistently map to something that's displayed on the screens. Like your back button is always the top left. Uh, the close go home is always top right, you know? And so you actually Spoken have a Spoken phys- like a true Android fanboy. Well, you gotta yeah. have my physical back button. Well, I don't have a physical back, but I do miss it. I do miss it. Um, Android yeah. shifted. Android did the same thing that Apple did where there's no, there's no mm-hmm. inputs at all. Now they keep this line and they use, t- they use gestures. I hated it. Hated I, I said it. that just to trigger you. Oh my God. I hated that interface. I fortunately in the 
configuration, you can set it up so that you get the, the three buttons at the bottom. You have a back and then a little circle for a home button. And then there's a square and it pulls up your uh, open. It lists all your open apps. And mm-hmm. that that sort of auto hides, but you can pull that back up. And so you don't have to do it with gestures because I thank goodness, because I hated the gestures. It was inconsistent with how I would move my face. Yeah. It drove me nuts. Oh, and so but I mean, that's a good example. It's the same kind of thing here. You know, I think some physical buttons to, to accommodate that would would be uh, would be a good thing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, on the full tilt tech side, HUDs are awesome. HUDs are really awesome. I really hope that this continues to expand. Right now, it shows my speed. And then if I'm in cruise control, it has some follow-ons for the cruise control. It shows. Um, yeah. It has. I have lane departure assist. And so it'll show if the lane departure assist is active. Yeah. It'll show if it's slowing down because there's a car in front how of you. How close you're going to get to the. Yeah. How you close. It has the It has the auto follow thing. So it'll actually back off yeah. and then match pace with cars in front of you. Um and then speed up when they move out of the way. So it shows you a couple basic things, but it's a very, very rudimentary UI. I would love to see like full bore. I want to see the dash. I want the dials. I, I want the, you know, right. Give, give me the actual, you know, what they do in the cockpits, like the fighter plane cockpits. If you've right. ever seen those, I want that. That's give me that. I can handle that. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, no, no physical buttons. And that's annoying. I got to say though, 60, you said it was 60 inches in this Escalade. Oh, I forget what the exact actual number Huge. was. Just it whatever was, it was. It was, was kind of ridiculous. Though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the cynic in me is saying that this is an obvious play for the aftermarket enthusiasts that tend to like Escalades because out of the, out of the, you know, off the line, those, those, those screens are obviously going to have big brother safety features that are going to turn those screens off and disable certain things while you're driving. But all you would need is take it to an aftermarket specialist and hack that crap out, and you can be playing movies on your dash as you're driving. Completely. You know. Well, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's disparate. Like I'm. I'm. Well, I don't know. I can't say I'm sure. I would imagine it's probably disparate. Re- like one piece of glass, but actually disparate regions for display, where they simply unified the the driving indicators and the center console functionality behind a single you know like i said behind a single piece of glass but it's actually still distinct regions mm-hmm. um and that's i mean that's not this is not a shock this is the way we should expect everything to go because over time you and i have both seen yeah all analog to now mostly digital i think mm-hmm. like our car i have physical buttons to control like temperature and vents and volume i think and that's basically it. Really. I have physical controls. Um, and even that I can yeah. do digitally, uh, but there are also physical buttons that, that map them as well. Yeah. I have, I actually have quite a few physical buttons now that I'm thinking about it for cruise control, volume, uh, tuning the radio, uh, doors, windows, locks, rear view mirrors. Well, I'm not, so I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about the, like the console area. I'm not talking yeah. about the door or on the steering wheel where there are still oh, physical okay. buttons. All right. Yeah, I, have yeah, I guess handful. I should have been more No, clear, it's okay. But... I have a handful of physical buttons, but a lot of it is digital too. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Oh, anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> you know what? That's so how we, we got on that topic. It, it, Sidebar. It, yeah, total. So I'm, I'm going to, I had this, I was going to tee it up for, for later. Um, but uh, 
I, I <laughs> I'm going to use it because we we've been talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned out over your skis, and I said I had just said that. Well, the context in which I had said that was I was talking with somebody about our a new policy my company has. They have a login timeout now for all of our accounts. They we use uh, Okta, and then everything just sort of you know forks mm-hmm. from there. You, yeah, you know this mm-hmm. setup. So it's a you know single sign on setup. Right. The timeout for us is twenty four hours. Now is that is that in line with what you have now? Is that longer or shorter than Time what you have now? 24 hours. Um, you have well, to we, log so in we have, every 24 hours, period. Every single time. No remembering. No yeah, that doesn't, that. that doesn't shock me. That doesn't shock that me. Doesn't so in, sh- in my, if you're asking specifically in our case, uh, we we can't access anything without a VPN. Um, okay. Yeah, I've heard, I mean, I've that, seen that before. That VPN access is MFA enabled and it's less than 24 hours. Oof. Does it? Yeah, but does the but does the VPN act uh, uh, connection stay active if you're using it? Like, can you extend past 24 hours if you are actively on it, no. doing things? It you know, doesn't. It doesn't matter if you're on it hard or if you log in and walk away. When it will. When it expires, it expires. It kicks Oof. you off. Ugh. Yep. Now, within within our network, most of our systems, yeah, they they have a central login component, um, but it varies system to system. You know how long you stayed. In fact. Uh, I complain about this sometimes to my team because we have a couple of um, security applications uh, like web apps and they're connected to our central authentication service. But uh, it's like, oh, five minutes of inactivity and you're out. And it's so annoying to log back. That that if bugs me. I mean, if you've got a 24-hour window, you should probably, your app should just match that and set set their own timeouts. You know, barring specific, you know, sensitive areas, you know, some kind of super you know, super user root access and things like that. Well, no, that's, that's Probably should like just be the, 24 the, hours. Well, the, the VPN has a hard limit under 24 hours, but what I'm saying is all of our apps, once you're all of our apps on the network, once you're logged in, they are free to do their own, you know, policy. So right. And, they, and, I, and I'm suggesting that they shouldn't. I mean, if you've got, if you already have a super tight window of 24 hours, I've logged in, I log into whatever apps I need, and my logins to those apps is going to persist as long as my VPN persists. That would I certainly that, be nice. That certainly yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. Because that would certainly be nice. Uh, yeah. So But there's different there are different levels of, of um different levels of single sign on though. Right. There's yeah. there's level one, which is you can use the same username and password everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then next level is I'm logged into, let's say, like a Windows domain or, you know, um, like a Kerberos realm or whatever. And when I go to your, you know, application, it automatically grabs that token, challenges it, and then logs me in without having to put that same username and password into it explicitly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. SSO, you know, definitions required when you start talking SSO. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I mean, the thing that, the reason I got on this was, you know, we we have Okta. It logs us in. We really predominantly use it to log into uh, Google, and then it's Google Auth to connect to a whole slew of other right. of other apps. It's, yep. it's pretty much so. It's like happens. an Auth two Open ID Connect thing bridge yeah. through Google. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Um, and we just implemented twenty four hours. The team is not happy <laughs> about it, and I have. And it's not just because you know engineers hate logging into things. We you know we actually have some. You know, we we have security folks on our teams who mm-hmm. would be in a position to know a thing or two 
about this stuff, and myself included. I don't I don't call myself a security expert, but I've been in and around this long for enough. good reason. <laughs> I've been in and around this long <laughs> enough to know. I, I I know my security stuff. I don't want to be a CISO, but I mean, I I, I know that I, I know what needs to be done there, um, and it just a lot of it is being policy driven. We're looking at FedRAMP stuff, and so it's it's being driven by that. But it to me, it's it's not. I'm I'm not calling into question the decision making. Uh, I use the out over the skis thing, talking about you know the policy itself being out over out over its skis in terms of its aggressiveness. Now, I don't think that it was an individual saying, no, we got to do this. I think a lot of it's being driven by what FedRAMP and some of these other specifications dictate. I think these specifications are over eager and out over their skis with this stuff, because I don't see how a 24 hour login realistically is going to make you more secure than a 36, 72 hour, one week Logins. I, I just, I'm not, in fact, I could make a case that I think that it's, it's less secure than that because if I now have to do this every single day um, and I have, I understand that some of our higher level admins in it for some of their stuff, they have to log in every 15 minutes by making you go through those steps. It becomes so rote and so habitual and such a manual exercise that doing so, you actually become blind to it, I think. And I think that it's, I think you could have the same outcomes that we had with the uh, push a few years ago with uh, aggressive password resets. You know, you have to change your password every month. You've got to change your password every month. Well, what does that lead to? It leads to bad password hygiene. I start writing it down on post-it notes and things like that. If I have to log into the multi-factor off thing every 15 minutes or every 24 hours, I'm just going to be done, done. And if, if something uh, comes in special publication 800-63b section 5.1.1.2 explicitly states and i quote verifiers should not require memorized secrets to be changed peri- uh, arbitrarily e.g. periodically unquote right i get on i get on such a tear with this because uh, you know, and like you, we're in we're we're in a very regulated industry, right? We have HIPAA, we have Similar PCI, spaces. we're yeah. we're high trust certified. I mean, it's every it's basically everything except FedRAMP. Um, and the problem is those other uh, HIPAA and PCI and FedRAMP they all lag NIST. So NIST comes out and says, "Hey, don't force users." to arbitrarily change their password periodically because what happens is they use the same password with a different number on the end and that actually materially decreases the overall security posture taking into account the human factor but it takes a while for NIST to come to that conclusion and then it takes a while if ever those other frameworks ever come into line with it and so as an industry we're sitting here and we know what right looks like and we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's very, because we, I mean, we take HIPAA, we take high trust, we take PCI very seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it bothers us that it, it actually limits what we can do to help protect our infrastructure and our users in certain cases, because the policies are just, they're, they're old. They're just right. stale. They don't represent best practice. Um, and then you can go and you can point to something like, look, NIST says the opposite, and it was updated last year. Well, that doesn't matter because, let's say, high trust was updated two years before that, right? And right. so 
it's very I understand what you're saying. It's very frustrating. And I can under and I can see exactly the point where all right, we're gonna force you to log in every three and a half seconds. Well, you know what you're gonna have? You're gonna have people that just walk around with their pass load loaded into their clipboard all day long because they're not gonna type it in yet again. Yeah. They're gonna write it down. Like it just it doesn't those kind of policies, I think, where you're where where uh, you're the, the value in what you're saying is they don't they don't take into account the human factor. Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if NIST has any rules about because this is not just this is logging in every 24 hours. This is not changing passwords to be specific on the on the process change. No, I understand. But I'm here. saying it's the but same. It's, it's the same problem. You, same you problem. have a recommendation yeah. that doesn't take into account the actual social factors involved with implementing that policy and how actual humans will respond to it. And mm-hmm. that's where I think things get lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what I'm what for I example would, we have. I, I'm sorry, I, I beg your pardon okay. to cut you off right there. But no, but, you, but just fired the, up. the great you're more example. Fired up than I am. I am. <laughs> I am. No, I'm pissed about this. I have been for years. This is this is a thorn in my side. You know what really I, grinds my gears? Go. Thank you, because we take this very seriously, and it's a material dampener to our security posture. And there's nothing you can do about it because that's what the policy says, right? And we all put mm-hmm. on a clown face and act like this is normal and this is okay, and it's not. It's bullcrap. And mm-hmm. w- one of the other perfect examples of this. Um, uh, password uh, complexity requirements. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so must first of all, it sends me through the roof whenever I see password require uh, password policies that have a cap on. They length. have a cap that yeah, drives me instantly insane. Yeah. <laughs> Other oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are your hashes when you hash passwords? Are they? Uh, if, if I use 128 characters, does my hash get longer in your in your database? Dumbass. <laughs> I, I have complained about this at such length that even my wife rolls her eyes and tells me when she sees a password that's oh. length limited because obviously they're not treating it properly. Oh, and my gosh. Yeah. In addition to that, you have, oh, well, you can have an at or a pound or an exclamation point, but not a question mark or a single quote, but or you need space. to have a double quote. It Come the heck. What the? You don't need. I, I can't any, even. To me, that's. It's. It's. it's, it's in, so those are all one one class of issue I have with password <laughs> complexity requirements. And we can so we can talk stupid. about that all the live long day. But the core problem is when we say, okay, it has to be eight to fifteen. It has to have an upper and a lower and a number and a symbol. And it can only be this symbols and it can only be this long and all of this kind of stuff. What that doesn't allow you, the implementer, the freedom to do is implement a library that computes actual entropy. Like uh, I, I always rem- forget how it's spelled. X Z F V B Z or something. Z X F C B. What do you? It's th- a it's a library. X- oh, I thought you were talking about XKCD X-C- for a second. It's the it's the bottom six letters on the left. I don't have a QWERTY uh, keyboard, Z-X-C-V-B? so I can't look at it. Z X C V B. Is that F- what you mean? Yes, or Z X C V B. Yeah, that's it. Um, if you GitHub that. I don't okay. know if it's actually maintained anymore. It it may not be in use, but it was put out by Dropbox like ages, like eons ago, like in the before times. Dropbox published this library, and what it does is it actually takes into account real entropy, not just some arbitrary bullcrap about eight characters and a and a number. And so it'll look at things like keyboard patterns and repetition and all of this kind of stuff. What you can do, you can get a high rating. You know, when you're typing in your password and you get the red, yellow, green bar, you know, on some sites, that's what they're using. They're using something like this. It's calculating actual entropy. Can't use it. Can't use it because I can have 
I could come up with a passphrase that is like a line from one of Chaucer's tales, which would be a phenomenal password, right? Because it's mm-hmm. so many letters mm-hmm. from a weird alphabet, even from a weird language compared to, you know, modern day English mm-hmm. and, and the password policies that, that are forced down our throats won't accept it because it doesn't have a number. It's provably more secure. But XKCD actually had right? an article about this that, um, talks about how did, you can actually yeah. build building a phrase and how the entropy is is strong correct horse battery staple yeah that's a yeah. classic <laughs> like, yeah. God, how do you keep all this random crap in your head <laughs> cve numbers the freaking the letters <laughs> on the keyboard <laughs> the random password that they use in the freaking xks jesus man <laughs> It's pretty impressive. Not, uh, you, it's impressive. I guarantee you what I, I would love to take the accolades and the nerd cred, but I guarantee you if you drop the phrase correct horse battery staple into your general chat, knowing all your security wonks, everybody will get it. Guaranteed. <laughs> You'll get people talking about XKCD instantly. But but that's that's part of it, right? It's it's not just that there are artificial limitations like periodic changes or forced relogins and so forth. It's, it's that the policies are not written in a way that say these are the minimum requirements or better. Mm-hmm. They say these are the minimum and maximum. They, they bound you in such a way that it doesn't give you the freedom to, to be smarter. And that I it's it bothers me. You may be able to tell it, it bothers me like just a little bit. And that no. people is what grinds my gears. <laughs> I And that's uh, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, so we're seeing, I, I think that these, these law, these super short login timeouts are a symptom of the very same kind of problem where, you know, they're trying to be more secure, but it's really just this overcorrection that actually mm-hmm. can hurt things. And that's really what, uh, aside from the ergonomics and the annoying, the annoyance factor, yeah. which is absolutely, you know, which is absolutely legit. Um, and, and I've heard of people. I have actually heard of people with, because uh, I, I know I know you work with a bunch of guys that are like uh, mechanical keyboard fans, like fancy, yes. oh, fancy pants oh keyboards. Oh my gosh, fans. yeah, we got some um, crazy, crazy. I have fans. heard of people using uh, keyboard programmable macros to program yep. their password into their keyboard so yep. they just hit a hotkey and autofills. Yeah. Because oh, they have to secure. type it in so much. Now that password is, that is effectively an equivalent to the post-it note. It is. It's on your keyboard. All they need is if it's on firmware, all they need is your freaking keyboard. So, I mean, now you've got the plot for, you know, the next digital movie heist where like you have to steal the guy's keyboard off his desk so that you can go, you know, rob the Swiss bank. So you you could yeah you could program it in hard I know I know a lot of people for that reason they'll they'll um they'll type it into the um runtime memory of the so if you unplug the keyboard right. it would so evaporate right. but yeah. either way like okay if I'm not sophisticated enough to have some fancy pants keyboard where I can do that what's going to happen I'm going to leave a sticky note or a notepad tab open all day long and it's going to have my mm-hmm. keyboard. And when I get prompted again, control A, control C, switch tabs, control V, enter. Well, and it's I just going to be there all day long. Yeah. Uh, I mean, LastPass and BitLocker and, and, and 
one they password. Help. They help and they keep you secure. And if you're not using one of those apps for the love of all that is good, oh my gosh. get yourself get yourself a password manager. Stop listening. Well, wait, don't don't stop listening. But once you're done listening, once go you're done listening. and get yourself Bitwarden or something equivalent. Just get and something. Just use it. Because it'll keep it, them it keeps and them then secure. You'll find out. You'll find out real quick who has ridiculous upper limits on password complexity because you'll do something <laughs> smart. You'll say, okay, for the default password generator, 50 characters, letters, random numbers, upper, lower symbols, whatever, just throw the board at it. And then 30, 40% of the websites you hit will say, but it can only be a maximum of 33 characters and you're not allowed to have an ampersand in it. Yeah. If you have any kind of limits, any kind of limits on length, well, I, I would get a, a sanity limit. Let's say 256, 128 character length total. Something, you know, yeah. 255. My default's like 100, 90, yeah. 99 or 100. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Like you said, so so your input, this is you as an app developer. If you have a password, here here's what you should have. An upper limit, upper level sanity limit, and that's it. That's all you should have. You need to check complexity. And, you know, there are, I actually went and I found this library. You're right. The Dropbox version think- is- is six years out of date at this point, but um, there are a number of forks in various languages that are much more recent. The Ruby one, which I of yeah. course jump right to, that one was just re- updated in the last twelve months. Uh, the Go version, Go was and a lot of these, and I know probably towards ago. the end of it, but the 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 uh, Dropbox library. So it would take into account actual entropy, both letters and word wise. You could mm-hmm. feed it a dictionary of uh, of of uh, subwords to block. So you, you could feed it a block list. Mm-hmm. Um, there were all sorts of stuff that it did. Great tool. Can't use it. Yeah. Can't use it. Because, I mean, wait a minute. Why can't you use it? Why are you suggesting that you can't use it as a developer? I miss that. So you, like if I'm so a dev, I was about to like say, yeah, I'm, you should use this. Right. I, I guess you, you could, but it kind of defeats the purpose. Right. So if I'm mm-hmm. under... HIPAA, or if I'm under PCI and whatever the rule is, Fedra, the rule says it can be eight to 15, has to have this. Oh, that, the, the other actual, thing. have I, I actually haven't seen that. They actually specify password uh, uh, entropy requirements like that in the standards, like eight letters no, to the, 15 the standards, and stuff like that. I didn't think they I, went that far. I'm not aware of any of the standards that put an upper cap, mm-hmm. but the systems will. Yeah, the, the, systems the actual will. systems right. that implement the standards will. Right. And um, so I was going to go, I was speaking to a, to any current or potential app devs here. The input that you should have for your password should just have an upper sanity limit of, say, 100 characters, 128 characters. And then you should let that person enter whatever the F they want. And then you do an entropy check and maybe some paranoia checks like you would not want correct horse battery staple which by the way if you go to correct horse battery staple.net you can find a password generator that follows this formula which is just <laughs> that's awesome I love xkcd that the ripple effect of that it's comic is, is insane it's ridiculous it's wonderful, glorious um bobby tables the um so upper limit do a sanity check and then that's it because you're gonna hash that password right Right, developer, you're not going to plain text that thing anywhere. You're going to hash it and store the hash. And if you're really smart, you put a salt in there too. And if you're really you're not real- just hashing it using a password-based key derivation function version two, PBKDF2, which hashes it with a salt and then does that again 20,000 times. <laughs> right. That. <laughs> because 
but that's that's all you need to do. Any if you're if you're doing anything yeah. else, you are you are building security yourself, and that's dumb. You do not build your own security. You follow the. I the, had I I had a conversation with somebody recently, and and I had to advise them because they were getting into the realm of like grabbing a certificate and then parsing out the parsing out the primes of the of the private key to check the. I was like, whoa, whoa dude, red no. flags, stop. You don't implement your own crypto, right? You don't do Go your own crypto. Go use this library and do it this way. Okay. And like the guy didn't care. He's just trying to solve the problem and do the right thing. He didn't know what the right thing was. We showed him what the right thing was. No, like no issues. It was great. Um, but yeah, yeah you're, not, the pro you're not rolling your own crypto. Yeah, the pro I don't care who you is, are. Yeah, if Matthew Green crypto. comes to work for my team tomorrow, I'm going to tell him you don't roll your own crypto. <laughs> like there are no exceptions here. Bruce Schneier, I don't care. You don't roll your own crypto. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, do not do not do that. And you don't need to do all this convoluted stuff. The user can pick whatever password they want. They can throw whatever crazy characters they want because it all yeah. comes out in the wash when you when you hash it. And then it's up to that person. If and so the the the, the pushback But if I out, have like but if, if but if I'm if I'm working in a system where there is some kind of upper limit for whatever reason, then you wind up okay. Well, I'm going to throw. I'm going to spend the time to do the right thing and implement an actual entropy calculation library, so I can give users a real sense of how secure their password is actually. And let's assume that I can take it on the back end. Uh, then, okay, but I have to do that, and then I have to manually code in that it has to have an apostrophe and can't have an ampersand and no space is allowed and it's got to have an uppercase. It's like, well, I just bake those rules. Pardon me. Just bake those rules in and walk away at that point. Like you, you wind up at a place where people are not incentivized to do the best thing. They're incentivized to just follow the rule and move on and not mm -hmm. give it second thought. And that it bothers me. Mm -hmm. Like morally bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think by setting up those systems where you actually have to check the inputs of the password, you're actually making more work for yourself. If you, if you go with use whatever the hell you want, I'm going to run it through an entropy, entropy scanner and make sure that you reach a certain threshold. And if you do, you're fine. Mm -hmm. You're actually, you're making less work for you and less work for them. And your code complexity goes down. Well, I mean, this is when Well, that's what I'm saying. Around. A, a song lyric or a Bible verse or a line from Chaucer, like those, that, you put those, smash all those words together. That is a better password than anything that's 15 characters with an exclamation point and a one at the end and a, and a capital in the beginning because that's what the thing told you to do. Because guess what? When those are your rules, that's exactly what people do. Like 98 times out of 100, they will take the word they were going to use anyway, or maybe two words. They're going to capitalize the first, mm -hmm. and then they're going to put a one and an exclamation point at the end. Guaranteed. And when you force them to rotate it 90 days from now, it's going to be a two and an exclamation point at the end. Right. And when you say you can't reuse uh, the last 10 passwords, when they wrap from uh, nine back down to one again, they're going to say, okay, now it's a 10 instead of a one. It's, I mean, this stuff is documented. Like, it's not, Yeah, I, we're not saying anything new yeah. anymore, so we, we got to get off this yeah. topic, but so, uh, it's frustrating. I want to bring it, so the <laughs> password generator. I want to drive us back here um, to the Please Okta 24-hour login thing. So so how, how does all of the crap that we just talked about with passwords apply to the Okta thing? Because that's where, I, that's where my head went. And so, you know, the, the studious listener who may, who may not have the same war-torn experience here may be wondering, well, yeah, that's passwords, but you talk about an Okta login, which... 
is not necessarily anything to do with the password. It's about the fact that you have to log in every 24 hours. And with Okta, there's an app and you, is this me? Yes. You push the button on your phone. You know, you've got the you know, multi-factor mm-hmm. off and yeah. you move on. Okay. How does that, how do those two things apply? Easy because humans are humans and they'll stu- they'll do the same kinds of lazy crap with this that they'll do with others. I thought that your example of the keyboard was a good example where you restore. Mm-hmm. People will find ways to do it. So one of the things that I know- <laughs> that Life, uh, what is it, the, the Jeff Goldblum quote, like laziness will find a way. Life finds a way. <laughs> Life finds a way. Laziness so finds a way. One of the things that I have seen done is you can automate this kind of stuff. I don't know if Okta has a desktop application, but there are some other auth options that do. There is nothing stopping you from taking the desktop version of these auth tools and setting it up to just click automatically click yes when the app opens. You can do that. You can programmatically skip through your multi-factor authentication in some in some circumstances. If Okta has a desktop app, I'm willing to bet that somebody on my team is already looking at the desktop app and trying to figure out how they can just cl- automatically tell it yes so that it leaves you the hell alone you are so by autumn and and this is the problem but it's not you know automation the 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 security guy will go oh yeah well he shouldn't be allowed to automate that no you that that's this is the nuclear escalation that you have now gotten yourself into that's not the problem the problem is that you have put the user in a position where in order for them to eliminate the hurdle, eliminate the chore of the security, you've put them in a position where they're now going to sidestep it, which lowers the security. So instead of doing that, do it. You need to find the balance between the difficulty and the convenience. And most places, most standards are way on the side of over overburden some stuff. And so then people find shortcuts and then those shortcuts are the way that things actually get results in a net reduction in posture. So instead of doing that, acknowledge that people will be people and back the hell off a little bit. You're over your skis. It's way too much. You were going to say something. I was now I forgot what it was. That's great. I do have a, uh, I wanted, uh, I do. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's real. It's, that's what I wanted to say. It's, it's real versus checkbox security. Yes. And we, we talk about this all yes. the time, right? This is a good one. Are you yep. actually trying to improve the posture of your program or are you checking a box so that the auditors don't give you more work to do? That's it. Um, down and, and we, we, you have to check the boxes, but, but we spend a lot of effort trying to actually do real security, mm-hmm. which is hard. There is not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. And there's Look no, at the there's explosion no definitive, in, there's no definitive right or wrong answer to this. This lives on a sliding yeah. scale of gray. That's, that's the other problem. Well, that's ever evolved on an ever evolving landscape, right? right? Because what, what you think is sure footing today, tomorrow turns out, well, your logging, uh, your logging library is vulnerable to remote code exec, right? Thought no <laughs> yeah. one ever ahead yeah, of time. Random. Right? Like, come just, on. Just going to pull a random yeah. thought out of the, you know, hypothetical, purely. Speaking of, uh, speaking of random failures, I have a pick this week. Oh, uh, okay. a, a YOLO purchase kind of saved my bacon a little bit. Um, oh. Long story short, if you have um, any kind of alarm system in your home, which we do, uh, see if you can find a, a water leak sensor uh-huh. and put it 
put it mm-hmm. near wet things in your basement. I had a um, whole home humidifier system uh, drain line clog and back up and started to pool on the on the slab. And the water sensor caught it literally as we were walking out the door to leave. And we wouldn't be home until like 9 p.m. that evening. Ooh. So the system goes off and it's, and it's starting to yell, you know, water leak detector. And I'm like, water leak sensor? It's fine. What's this false alarm? I got to replace a battery. What's going on? My mind is like, and then I walk down there. There's actually a pool of water growing on the floor. I went, holy crap, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Saved me untold pain and hassle, so I was able to shut the system off, and and um, and it was great. And then I we were walking out the door for like all day, so I pulled one of the one of the cameras that's not attached to where it lives, pulled one of those, and and plugged it back in down the basement so I could check it on my phone uh, while we were gone to make sure it wasn't continuing to leak because I I wasn't sure if turning the the one valve off would actually, but it did mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I won't say which which security system or which product, but as a general recommendation, go buy a uh, a water leak sensor and put it near your wet things in the basement. Trust so, me, it's worth it. So why I, I'm I'm just I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the 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 augment sounder here in a second, but why why not mention the brand? Is this is this a security thing? You don't want people to know what brand you've got because most of them it's actually come sex. with stickers. Yeah. That actually say, hey, we've got this security system in 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 so you know, don't mess with us. It's supposed to be that theft it's, deterrent. You're going the other way. It's it's it's, it's opsec. That's all. It's uh, it's opsec. But okay. yeah, there's all right, all right. Yeah. That's but uh, it is yeah, solid recommendation for the water leak sense. And I've thought about others because our alarm system it it hooks into like the smoke alarms and carbon monoxide. And stuff okay, like that. so you've got a pretty um, serious. You you got a pretty it's, thorough serious it's fairly, setup. Yeah, it's it's fairly robust. Okay, um, and the water leak was kind of like oh because. When we first bought the house, the like the AC system was not mm, was getting old, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. part of the drainage was blocked, and so it would leak sometimes. Mm-hmm. When I bought the system, I kind of and we haven't had the problem in years because we had it resolved. But I still kind of wonder, like, oh, when is this going to leak again? That's why I bought the thing, and it turns out it wasn't even that that leaked; it was something else. But something this, completely this saved me on it, and so All right. yeah, well, definite can- recommendation on that. Uh- I can, uh, so I, I have a Simply Safe system in the house, and we actually have the signs outside, so I don't have any problems saying it. Uh, Simply Safe mm-hmm. has uh, remote wireless water sensors to go with. Their oh, do they have kit. one? Yeah, they have wireless. Okay, cool. They have a water sensor that you can do. Um, the base kit's fairly cheap. It's only, a, I think, it's like two hundred bucks. And so, if you really mm-hmm. only wanted some environment sensors. Simply Safe is a good option that you can do, but they, of course, they've got doors, sensors, and glass breaks, and motions, and all that kind of crap too. And right, so we've got right. a litany of that stuff around the house. But I do have right next to my hot water heater a you have water bit, sensor yeah. sitting right there on the ground, and uh, yeah. it hasn't saved me yet. But absolutely, 100p, man, yes, yeah. yes, great good, purchase, good pickup. Water sensors, get them. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. All right. Well, uh, if you have stories about uh, password complexity or water leaks in your basement, we would certainly love to hear them uh, on the Refactored podcast. You can email those to us at feedback at refactored.work. Uh, if you want to go and check out our show notes, archives, back episodes, the whole bit, uh, that's at uh, refactored.work there in your little web browser over there. 
My name is Chris Tonkinson. You can find more of my ramblings online at creativelyenoughchris.tonkinson.com. And Frank lives at www.hotcoals.com. More creative. H-L-S. Even more creative. And uh, this has been this has been our first birthday episode. Is Woo-hoo! it birthday or anniversary? Uh, what do you think? Is it both? Neither? Uh, anniversary? anniversary? I don't know. It's the birthday of the show, anniversary of doing it. I don't know. It's the episode number. Birth anniversary. Yeah. And this is episode 50, our first birth anniversary. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the good times, Frank. I look forward you to a too, lot more. You too, man. Many more. See ya. Cheers.